Hello, everybody, and welcome to For the Wins bonus podcast of The Gridiron Geeks, starring me, Charles Curtis. And as always, I am joined by Stephen Ruiz to talk week 11 in the NFL and fantasy football and all things football. How are you, Stephen? I'm good. I, we were just talking about this off air. It was kind of a, a boring week in the NFL. It was awful. Uh, mostly, and, and I was thinking about this, there, are, I, there haven't been a lot of like last-minute heroics that we've seen the, in, in seasons past. I think that's part of the reason. Because uh, I wrote something this morning, uh, we're taping this on a Monday morning, about uh, um, a game show that uh, overseas that did um, a race up the stairs. And I promise you, there's there's relevances. Racing up a, a set of slippery stairs, you should all go and watch it. It's amazing. Um, and falling down a lot. And I said it was more exciting than, or as exciting as anything you'd see in a two-minute drill in the NFL. And it occurred to me at that moment that there hadn't been a lot of really great NFL two-minute drills this year, right? Do, do you have that right, you think? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, yesterday, we got one, I think we had one really good game, the Saints and the, Saints and the Redskins. Saints. That came down to the wire. Yep. But other than that, it was just... Just a dud. The, the Rams Vikings game didn't turn out like we thought it would. Yeah, sad. The Eagles Cowboys game was just the the Eagles just rolled over them in the second half, which we kind of expected, but right, but not that not that badly. You know, it's an it's a, it's an in division game, and that, that should have been much better. But yeah, and, and and what we were talking about with this, by the way, everybody was that my TV busted. I had a, I've had a, the same TV, and we only have one in my house. Um, which is kind of rare, I guess. And uh, it just, it busted. It's been with me since I got married. So it's almost 10 years old. So I'm getting a new one shipped in. I think it's coming in today, but I did not watch any football. I read, I, I, my wife can tell you, I spent probably two hours on my phone checking scores all day and kind of watching the action, which is what I do every Sunday. Um, and it keeps me kind of plugged in. So we'll try to, I'll try to give you my, my takes as best as I can without having watched a down of football. Um, let's get into it. We usually do our four downs, our four questions that we have of every, about, uh, every week of football. Let's jump right in. What the heck are the Broncos doing? That's my first question. They, uh, reportedly fired Mike McCoy, offensive coordinator today. I don't get this. What's your, what's your thinking about this? Yeah, I'm not really sure why they pulled the plug on him so early. I mean, this was his first year back in Denver, and they didn't give him much to work with. The offensive line isn't isn't great. The quarterback situation is obviously terrible. I don't think any offensive coordinator could put together even a league average offense with Brock Osweiler starting. And then he, right. he would Paxton Lynch. He, that's not a young player you can work with. And we've seen Mike McCoy work with Tim Tebow and the fact that they're not even really considering giving Lynch a, a chance is telling about a first round pick two years ago. Right. It's absurd. It's totally. And I think it's, 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 I think people are seeing through it. I think there's transparency there. They're immediately saying, why is he paying for what John Elway's done? And look, John always put together a really solid little defensive unit there and, 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 you know, Hey, they won the championship a couple of years ago with, with Peyton Manning under center. Uh, but I don't get it. I really don't. I don't think it's Mike McCoy's fault. The offensive line is shoddy. I don't think it's his fault. That the quarterback situation is so putrid. Um, when, yeah, when you're starting Oswald and you're starting Trevor Simeon, who you know, had his good moments here and there, you know, I think Elway assumed given salary cap restrictions that he could continue to win games with a really good defense. Uh, and, just a good enough offense to get by. And it's just not going to work in the NFL. It, you need some balance and you can't win 
I think, even without, and look, we can talk about Blake Bortles, which we can get to later. If you can cover up for a guy like that, great. But that offense doesn't work that way. C.J. Anderson isn't covering up for uh, the quarterback play. So I, I think uh, that is a really terrible move. I hope it doesn't mean that things are about to collapse in Denver because I think they have the possible things good going for them. I, so I'm, I'm a little nervous for, for Broncos fans right now. And it's it's kind of weird that they, they uh, didn't really make any changes to the offense and personnel-wise in the offseason because this team wasn't very good a year ago because of the offense. You would think they just stood pat, and that doesn't make any sense. And this is what this is the problem with building through your defense if you don't have a, a, a great quarterback. Obviously, the Seahawks have been able to sustain their defensive brilliance over the last what five years because they and they've also had Russell Wilson to to help them out. But it's hard to keep a defense together because there's so many moving parts, and you have to keep the roster deep you gotta everyone's gotta stay healthy and we've seen like they they haven't lost any of the stars really they lost well demarcus ware was one of the stars but he wasn't even their best pass rusher and then they lost malik jackson a couple years ago and those two losses have really hurt them because they yeah they can't rush the passer on early downs and that's what i think malik jackson is quietly the the biggest reason the defense isn't as dominant as it was when it won the Super Bowl because he gave them that interior pass rush on early downs. Now they don't really have a defensive tackle who can who can pressure the quarterback up the middle. They can only only when they have Shane Ray out there and Von Miller on the edge, and you can't play Shane Ray on early downs because he's he's just not a factor against the run. And where's Malik Jackson now? <laughs> on the best defense in the league. Exactly. Exactly. He's in Jacksonville. Uh, so, so there is some connection to, to what we're talking about. Yeah. It, it, good luck in Denver. Uh, uh, hopefully this doesn't mean that the beginning of the end uh, for what could be a better team than it should be. Uh, question number two, and I'm, I'm aiming this right at my partner here, who I, I really love working with and is really one of the smartest people NFL wise. But man, he's on that Dak Prescott train all day and all night. How do you feel right now? What's going on with, with your boy Dak right now? I'm not concerned in terms of his his the the bigger picture. I'm not I'm not overly concerned. I I think he's I think he's shown the improvements I thought he would this year. I think he's I think he's a better quarterback now than he was a year ago. It's just obviously the situation around him hasn't been as good. He has a lot more pressure on him to perform. He can't just lean on the running game. I don't think I think his wide receiving core isn't as good as we make it out to be. I, I know Des Bryant is a former Pro Bowler, but he doesn't. It, it's not like he's he he's not a great route runner. He's not separating. You got to make contested throws to get Des Bryant going, which is dangerous for quarterbacks. That's how you throw interceptions. And Jason Witten is he's reliable, but he's not a game breaking tight end. And then Terrence Williams, I. I I mean, is he even a good number two receiver at this point? No, no, he's not. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's not like he has a he doesn't have that uh, a great team around him to begin with, unless the running game's going good. And the running game, I mean, it's fine, but it's just not elite right now without Elliott back there. And the offensive line is obviously struggling without Tyron Smith. So yeah, and they had some losses in the offseason. So I'm not surprised that his stats have taken a hit. I actually think. His play has actually been better than it was a year ago. It's just that 
the players around him haven't been as good as they were last year, which was probably was never going to be the case just because how good they were last year. Yeah, I, I think that you're absolutely right about the supporting cast. I mean, my argument was kind of going to be that, that like Dak, that, uh, that Des Bryant is injured, um, doesn't look really good last week in our starts. Uh, our, we do a starts and sitcom that's um, studs, duds, and, and uh, sleepers. And I, I put Des as a dud, even though he's facing a, an Eagle secondary that it can be gotten to. And I just said, you know, I, he doesn't look like the player he was. I didn't get to watch the game, obviously. Um, but I, I think, you know, you look at those stats, you know, three interceptions, not good. Um, I don't know. I, my feeling always about Dak was that he'd be good in context, right? That like the offensive line being so good elevated his play. The fact that he has Ezekiel Elliott there so that it keeps defenses honest helped him. So I am not totally on board with you about Dak being one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL, but he is on an, in an elite situation. And uh, only when Ezekiel Elliott is there is he in an elite situation. Alfred Morris, by the way, had a pretty good day yesterday for somebody who was facing that front seven that we love so much um but i I think that i want to see more out of dak kind of stepping up to be the the you know single-handedly win games and of course you can't do that in the nfl necessarily but think about like russell wilson russell wilson has a great offensive line in front of him uh doesn't have a great offensive line in front of him excuse me and is able to kind of make miracles happen sometimes um and pardon the the use of that phrase there uh but dak prescott i don't know if if he's the guy who can do that am i completely off the rails here Right now, I don't think I think it would be hard to argue against you. I don't think obviously he's not that guy, and I think it's we we'd probably be asking too much if we're expecting a, a second year quarterback to be that guy. I mean, you brought up Russell Wilson; he had a, a, one of the greatest defenses ever in his second year when he won the Super Bowl. Carson Wentz is one of the league's best defenses. He has the league's best offensive line. He has a running game that's just running over everyone right now. He would. I wrote about this earlier. If you you didn't watch the game, but if you had seen it, he was not good in the first half. I think at one point he was like nine of twenty-two. He was averaging like mm-hmm. five yards an attempt, and the Eagles were still up fourteen because he had very little to do. Even on the first drive when they scored a touchdown, he threw a couple out routes, quick out routes, and then the running game took care of the rest. So he has the help this year that Dak had last year, and we're seeing kind of similar results. So I think we're just we just expected too much of Dak coming into this season just because of the year he put up last year. I, I don't think you can ask yeah. any second year quarterback to to carry a team, especially a team that's missing maybe three of its five best players right now. Yeah, pretty brutal. It's it's I mean, Sean Lee not being there is like huge, 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 huge. So uh, not good in Dallas. Let's go on to to, to our next uh, question. Is there a team in the AFC that gives the Patriots a run? Uh, and, and I bring this – we, we, you brought this question up, but I wanted to also bring it up because um, this morning I posted a, a Tony Romo thing where he was doing this really great commentary on, on Tom Brady uh, communicating with Danny Amendola on, on, on their touchdown connection. And I also threw in a video of Romo saying that the Jaguars don't the, – the Patriots would not want to face the Jaguars in January. And, uh, you know, people on the internet are going, whoa, hot take. And I was like, no, actually, I kind of get it. Um, do I think the Jaguars will give the Patriots a run? Possibly. I mean, that defense is that good. Um, is there – do you agree the Jaguars or is it the Steelers? What do you think? No, I, I, I do agree that the Jaguars would give the Patriots some problems. I think the coaching advantage and the quarterback advantage would ultimately be the difference. But I think they do have the right team to 
challenge the Patriots just because they could play man coverage if they have to. They can get after after the passer with uh, if by rushing four, and they can run the ball, which has been the weakness of the Patriots' defense this year. It's been stopping the run on early downs, and I think the Jaguars are one of those teams that can run the ball and will stay committed to running the ball because they're afraid of what Bortles will do if they let him throw. But yeah, that's the, been the formula to, to beat Brady is a four-man rush and the ability to play man coverage, and the Jaguars can do both of those things. And the secondary also covers up right for, for think about it this way. The, the secondary is there shutting everybody down like crazy. Uh, Jalen Ramsey obviously is maybe an all-pro um, and you think about it, if, if the, the Patriots can't run the ball to begin with, um, you know, they're, they're, you know, running with Deion Lewis and, and throwing the ball to, to Burkhead and, and less so to James White, poor James White owners in fantasy, by the way. Uh, but yeah, then, you know, if you start having guys who are shutting down, uh, uh, you know, Chris Hogan, who will be back healthy, maybe they find a way to stop Gronk. Then what are the what do the Patriots have? It's it's kind of a, a tough place to dig out of. So I think the Jaguars do have a shot if they end up uh, there. And I think the Steelers, I think offensively can keep up, um, though I have less faith in a Ben Roethlisberger road game in Foxborough. That's that's where I kind of stop and go, oh, that, that's not a good situation. Otherwise, I don't know if there's another team that gives them a run. Um, and I, there aren't, you know, the, the Chiefs are way out of the running. Look at how they played against the Giants this weekend. And uh Everybody else, I mean, the Titans, if they make it as a wild card, I have not a lot of faith that they can they can beat the Patriots. Yeah, I don't I don't think there is another team that has a chance. I I mean, I I just broke down why I think the Jaguars are a bad matchup, but even still, I don't think they have a chance of beating New England. Their offense just isn't good enough. I don't I don't even think it's a given that they can run the ball well. I think teams can just load the box and just dare Bortles to throw, and he's not capable of beating those teams. So even, like, I think maybe the Jaguars have, like, a 15% chance of knocking off the Patriots, but really the only team that actually has a chance is the Steelers. And I, I think they could get home field advantage. They just have to win that matchup with the with the Patriots. Right now, the Steelers would be the one seed if the season ended today. So it comes down to that game, which I believe is in Pittsburgh. I, I could be wrong. I think you're right. Yeah, I'm going to check that. But, yeah, that is true. I mean, the, the Steelers, uh, you know, they are the all-around team. Like I said, if they're on the road, you knock them down a few pegs. But yeah, uh, we'll see. I I think this is the year the Patriots are vulnerable. I really do, um, even though they're winning games. Um, the fourth question that we have is something you wrote about this morning. And the question is, should the NFL get rid of the conferences and just kind of mix everything together with the uh, 32 teams? And, and really, I think this should happen in every league. I'm forward in the NBA also. I just... I get why we had conferences and why we had like regional divisions back in the 60s when planes weren't so good and teams were taking buses and trains, but it doesn't really make sense now. They have teams have some teams have private jets and they they it's easier to to get around. Like there's no point. It's not the best way to figure out who the 12 best teams are in the NFL. I don't I don't know how you could even argue that. It's just tradition and which is another way of saying We've always done it this way, so let's just keep doing it this way. I, I don't think that's the best way to operate. 
And how would that work now? So you just take the 12 best, it's the, the, the top 12 and, and, and put together like a bracket format kind of that way. So the 12 seed plays the one seed. So what I proposed was you still get, you still keep the divisions. You can even call them AFC East. I mean, I don't think it matters. And you, right. you give the division winners their home playoff game. They all make the playoffs just to give them a reward for winning their division. I think you keep the divisions intact just to maintain rivalries. And then I'm, I'm proposing just the wild card. Anyone can make the wild card. Like you don't need two teams from the AFC and two teams from the NFC. It could be all. It could be four NFC teams. And that way you get a good wild card weekend, which we haven't had in a while. We've had. There's been a lot of blowouts, and there's been a lot of a, a lot of Texans games with Brock Osweiler and Brian Hoyer <laughs> starting. I think we had Connor Cook starting last year, but that. TJ Yates, TJ that's Yates. my boy. Love that guy. Andy Dalton, that's Andy. We should just rename it Andy Dalton Weekend instead of Wild Card Weekend. <laughs> Mediocre quarterback weekend. Uh, you're so right. And the first game that came to mind when you said that was was Seahawks Vikings with the with the, the Blair Walsh game, which just is like, yeah, heartbreaker, but bad football, just heinously stupidly bad football uh i love this idea i think it's a great idea and i think a lot of other sports should absolutely do it the nhl kind of has it kind of fun where they they do um you know if you win your division you're you're in um and they have i think it's four divisions right the metropolitan and the, whatever it is right and then the wild cards come in mm-hmm. um from each but that's still a conference setup I, this is intriguing because we have a year where the nfc's kind of been better um, we have a lot of NFC teams that are that are really fun and that are really tough, and someone's going to get shut out. I mean, we have the Lions at six and four. We talked about last week teams that are done. I mean, the, the Lions are far from done. The Cowboys, despite the last couple of weeks, still far from done. And uh, you got the the Panthers and the Seahawks. So that's yeah, you, you're somebody's going to get left out in the cold. And the Falcons. It could the, be one of the, the Falcons are the five Falcons. and four, and they would not be in the playoffs right now. Right. So and what, the Ravens so what would do, you do. Like it's crazy. Right now, we're headed for a Joe Flacco Blake Bortles wild card game, Ugh. a rematch of that thriller in London in Week Three that the Jaguars won by a hundred points. No, <laughs> right. nobody like wants to see that. The Ravens should not be in the playoffs right now. The quarter they they're they've only won two games where their opponents have scored points. That's, <laughs> That's a, a true really stat. They've only won two <laughs> games where their opponent has scored. That's how bad their offense has been. We should we should tweet that stat out. That's terrible. Um, I, I and I personally still have faith that the Chargers can make a run. So and I've been saying that for weeks, but I, I they still have to prove it. But man, like yeah, uh, that is terrible. So right, so you would have a situation in your in the ideal Stephen Ruiz world, the where you have four wild cards, and those four wild cards right now would be the Lions, the Panthers, the Seahawks, and I guess the Titans, right? Yes. Yeah. That's way better. I agree with you. So the That's wild card, way- the wild card games would be Saints, Lions, Seahawks, Rams, Chiefs, Panthers, and Titans, Jaguars, instead of Titans, Chiefs, and Ravens, Jaguars, and the AFC, which are two games nobody wants to watch. No, absolutely not. Yeah, gross. Let's let's get this going. Let's uh, you know everybody's listening. Go go tweet out the story. Go on for the win. Read read the story. Tweet it out. Let's let's do it. Um, let's move on to a, a, something that we sort of have hinted at. Um, beyond the AFC, I want to know 
like we talked about this, how many teams actually have a chance at winning the Super Bowl? And we're going to throw the Patriots out the window because we know that they're the, the favorite, basically. And I guess we should throw the Eagles out there because we know that they have the second best chance, right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, all right. So who? who yeah, go ahead. Buddy. Actually, I don't know if they have the second best chance, but I definitely think they have the best chance in the NFC. I'll okay, that's fair. Uh, we can we can certainly talk about them in the mix here. Which teams actually have a chance right now winning the Super Bowl? And and everybody else, you're going to be sad about this. So I, when I when I list off these teams, I don't mean that they're like still alive. I just mean these are the teams that I can actually see winning the Super Bowl. And beyond the Eagles and Patriots, I only have two teams, and it's the Steelers and the Saints, right. and the Saints. Those are the only two teams I could see winning the Super Bowl. I cannot see the Jaguars winning the Super Bowl. I could not see. I can't even see the Vikings winning the Super Bowl with Case Keenum as the quarterback. So for me, it's just the Eagles and Saints. The only, the team that I thought about putting up there was the Panthers, just based on how they played last Monday night. But even I, I, I I'm not trusting that offense. So I can't. I couldn't put them on the list. So my list is at four right now: Patriots, Steelers, Eagles, Saints. Interesting. No Seahawks. And and I'm fine with that. And Seahawks is the only other team I would add because the Saints, the Saints is like the team that Steven convinced me was really good. And then I, I, I last week I got to see a little bit of their games. I was like, wow, this actually this team is actually legitimately good on both sides. And they're, you know, they're balanced in a way that they haven't been in years um, in on the offense, which which takes the pressure off of old Drew Brees. Uh, I think I'm going to throw the Seahawks in the mix because they're the Seahawks. That's it. That's the only reason why I'm going to throw them, that they actually have a chance, because they're a team that wins late in November, December. Um, they're, the problem is, like, secretly they're not that good. They've lost a lot of uh, personnel and defense to injury. Um, and the offense we know, like I said, the offensive line we know is just, awful they can't run the ball um for all of you fantasy owners out there by the way if you pick up chris carson now if you're in a deep league like stash him if you have a spot to stash him i would um just in case he comes back and, and proves to be the runner that he was before he got injured um but i think the seahawks are, are the other team that has a chance um and and the most minuscule chances in terms of like teams that actually have a chance at winning the super bowl like they're on the borderline and i'm gonna put them just over and just purely because it's Pete Carroll and purely because it's Russell Wilson and purely because the defense still has a chance. And that's it. I, uh, otherwise, I'm with you. I considered the Seahawks and I just thinking that they don't, they're not, you, like you said, they're the Seahawks and that's why you're putting them in there because they always seem to to be playing well going into January. But they're not the Seahawks without Richard Sherman or Cam Chancellor. Those are the two, those are like the two players that make them the Seahawks. They make that yeah. defense what what it is, how intimidating it, as it is. I think Earl Thomas is the best player on the defense. I think he's the key to the defense. But missing those two, that those are the tone setters, I think, for me. And I agree, Russell Wilson is capable of doing amazing things, but not consistently enough for them to go on a run. Not They're going to have to win. I don't know if they're going to win that division, so they might have to win, what would it be, four games on the road? Yeah. So I don't I don't think they I think the offense just isn't consistent enough to win to produce four times in a row and I think they they'd have to without Sherman and Chancellor in there. Uh, you watch the Seahawks are going to lose you know they're they're playing Monday football you watch like that's going to happen and then I'm just going to like bang my head. Against I think we'll know, we'll know after tonight after Monday yeah, night exactly. I think it's hard to predict what they're going to do until we see them without Sherman and Chancellor because we've never really seen them without Sherman. Chancellor has missed time. Earl Thomas, we saw them without Earl Thomas last year, and they were 
awful on defense. So yeah, I'm interested to see how how they they uh, get on without Sherman or Chancellor. Yeah, Cam was the guy that I was thinking of who I was like, if that's the guy, more than Sherman in my opinion, just because he's so versatile that I was like, oh, they're going to miss him real bad. That said, I'm still going to put them at like a 5% chance of winning the Super Bowl. Um, let's go on to our would you rather question, and this is a great one. I'll, I'll let you present this one because you came up with it. I thought it was brilliant. So would would you rather have Tom Brady for three or four years, however many years you think he's going to continue to play, or Carson Wentz? for the next 10 years. And here's why I think this question is not as easy to answer as it sounds. I think with Tom Brady, you have a definite chance at winning the Super Bowl all three or four years he's playing. With Carson Wentz, it's not a sure thing that he's going to continue to play at this MVP level for the next 10 years. You kind of just look back at last year with Derek Carr. He was an MVP. MVP candidate. He was voted the 11th best player in the league on that top 100 list the players put together. And then this year, <laughs> he's he's. I I think it's fair to say he's been below average because the team around him hasn't been as good. So, it's not a given that Carson Wentz is going to continue to play at this MVP level that he's playing at right now. And I think he's kind of has he kind of has a high variance game. I think. It's not a comparison I've I've heard, but I would compare his game to kind of like to Cam Newton. He's got like a low completion percentage, and he's he's really good at these splash plays, making throws downfield and escaping pressure and making something out of nothing. I think he's got a similar game, and what we've seen out of Cam throughout his career is inconsistency. And I love Cam, so that's that's a good comparison if it's coming from me. Yeah, and and I I, I do like that comparison because it. it you're the one who pointed out to me first last year that his, and you wrote about this a lot about Carson Wentz's, um, uh, you know, as, as a quarterback and his fundamentals were just kind of off. And I've seen it where, you know, we talked about, you know, his, his grenade throws where he, you know, you know, he'll lob it and, you know, with a full arm, uh, windmill motion. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, 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 no. Get your, get your throws shorter. Um, but that said, he's he's playing at an MVP level this year, partially because, right, you said he has the best offensive line in front of him. He has a run game that he can lean on, and he has an improvement uh, at receiver that he, he didn't have last year. I mean, Aguilar is playing much better than he had been. No more, not as many drops as he, he's used to. And Alshon Jeffrey's been great, and uh, he and Zach Ertz have the best connection in the NFL right now. Um, all that said, I want Tom Brady for the next three or four years because. Uh, he's Tom Brady and he's been able to adjust and the offense around him has been able to adjust to the things that he hasn't been able to do becoming a 40 year old. You know, he's not throwing downfield as much as he used to. And you might correct me on that if the stats bear out, but it's all these sort of, you know, get these, these great route runners who will run short passes, you know, and, and, and run after catch and, and so on and so forth. And, you know, Brandon cooks can be sort of your pseudo downfield guy. And then there's Gronk. Um, so I'd rather have Tom Brady because he's been able to adjust and he still looks like he can play for three or four years at a high level. And he's the difference maker that he's always been all time. And even though Carson Wentz is, you know, the, the guy for the next 10 years, I still could be very happy drafting a quarterback in the next few years and developing him under Brady as the Patriots tend to do. I actually think Brady might be getting better at the deep passes. I don't, I mean, obviously he doesn't, he's not just out there bombing it, but I think he's more accurate. I think like four years ago, that was one of his weaknesses was downfield accuracy. I think he's worked to improve on that. And it's he's 
in my, he's getting better, which is weird to say because he's 40 years old, and he's getting better in the places where you don't expect old quarterbacks to get better. Like, he's he moves better than he ever did. Like, he's not Carson Wentz where he's going to make these, like, crazy escapes, but it's because he move, he's more efficient with his movement where it, it where it's just not looking like he's he's uh, evading a rush like other quarter like other mobile quarterbacks he's just doing it. he's making more subtle movement and that's helping his offensive line out and he's hitting those deep throws more consistently than he ever has so yeah i don't think there's anything that Carson Wentz does better than him right now is except for like read option runs and stuff like that and scrambling. I was thinking of and scrambling. Yeah. But like movement in the pocket and evading the rush, I don't think he I don't think he's better than Tom Brady because Brady can do that while keeping his mechanics intact and making accurate throws. I think Wentz has to reset and set his feet to in order to make the accurate throws. He's not gonna be able to do that in a tight pocket. He has to escape the pocket in order to make an accurate throw. So yeah, right now I think Brady is He's getting better, so yeah, I would take him for the next four years, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking of the Tom Brady years with, with Randy Moss, like that kind of downfield bombing. I don't think he's doing that like as much. That's sort of my, my oh, yeah, you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, but having a guy like Brandon Cooks who, who you know, you, yeah, you find him downfield, and, and, and yeah, it's incredible to see what Tom Brady is doing at 40, um, thanks to the TB12 method, I guess. <laughs> um our last, our last segment is always a start bench cut, which is our game to figure out who we can force ourselves to start to bench or cut. As always, we are not advising you as a fantasy owner to cut these folks, but we're forcing ourselves into a situation where we might have to. So the one I brought up was three running backs who are like good upside running backs, RB2 flex types, but like ones who are a little disappointing or you're, you're sort of seeing a, a, a downward trend, except for one, I guess. But here... Mine is Joe Mixon, Jarek McKinnon, or Amir Abdullah. And I'll start off because I own two of those in various leagues. Joe Mixon's a guy I drafted this year, like, really excited about. And then uh, I watched that first game and I thought, oh, no, what a disaster. Um, the offensive line's bad. You know, Andy Dalton's not Andy Dalton, uh, you know, uh, like we've seen in the past where maybe occasionally he can make up for um, the problems in his offense. He, you know, you realize that his mediocrity is caught up with him. Um Jack McKinnon is a guy who I picked off of waivers, was really excited about. Then I traded him a few weeks ago thinking that he was you know, a sell-high guy because of the way the Vikings offense runs and the fact that they have uh, Latavius Murray there sort of being the, the thunder to his lightning. And Amir Duel, who actually had a really good week this week, um, but he's a guy who is just – he's not really – his ceiling isn't that high. His floor is pretty decent. Um, so I'm going to start uh, Joe Mixon until I weep. Because he's just he he has so much upside, and every week that he faces a, a bad defense like the Colts a few weeks ago, everyone's like, "Ooh, this is the week to start him." I'm going to keep starting him, darn it, and it's going to hurt. Um, and I'll bench Jarek McKinnon because I just think that they're really going to start splitting fifty fifty. And and while he is the more upside guy, catches a lot more passes, I just think his upside's capped with McKinnon there. And I'm going to cut Amir Abdullah. Um, I think there's a lot of mouths to feed there. I think, you know, Riddick still is there catching passes, even though he isn't doing it like he was last year. Um, that's my take. What's yours? I'm going the opposite of you. I'm starting Amir Abdullah just because I think that's the best offense out of the three. And I think he's going to continue to get as many opportunities as the other guys. So I'm going to, I think I'm going to start him and 
yeah, I'm going to bench Joe Mixon. I also have Joe Mixon on my team. I had high hopes after watching him in the preseason when he was he was really good in the preseason. But, yeah, the offensive line problems have kind of lowered his ceiling. But I'm going to bench him just because I think he still has some breakout potential, especially if he's he's got a good matchup. And I'm going to cut McKinnon just because Latavius Murray has looked better than I expected, and I think he's going to – I still think he's – He's the top dog in Minnesota right now. Uh, I'm a total idiot, and I, I spent a lot of money on on a lot of uh, free agent money on Latavius Murray. I think I spent 46 bucks on him in in the league, and I then also picked up McKinnon the same time for nine bucks. So I spent 55 dollars, and I cut uh, uh, Latavius Murray. This is proof, by the way, that if you call yourself a fantasy expert, that you can make mistakes. I cut Murray. I was like, nah, he's you know his upside is also capped because he'll get 14 carries a game and average. 3.5 yards a carry and little did I know that he would just start scoring touchdowns like he did last year for the Raiders so uh, I'm an idiot it happens um, and uh, I still believe that Joe Mixon's you know prodigious upside maybe he's a keeper next year I don't know I spent a, a lot of uh, high fantasy picks and, and money on him so I'm I'm not so happy about it but he's still my still my guy uh, sadly any any other thoughts before we, we close up the show oh do you want to do our uh, top five teams Yes, yeah, I'll let you go first. Go ahead. Who, who are your top five teams right. right now, power rankings-wise? All right, not much change from last week. I'm going Patriots first, Eagles second. I, though I'm, I'm thinking about making that a tie after what I saw on Sunday night. And then I'll go Steelers third after what they did on Thursday. That was an impressive performance for me. It was kind of a surprise, actually. And then I'll go Vikings fourth and Saints fifth. Although, I think the Saints might be better than the Vikings at this point. I think... All those points they gave up yesterday, I think it was kind of a fluke. They they dropped an interception in the end zone, and then P.J. Williams, no, it wasn't P.J. Williams, it was a rookie. He dropped a, another interception. It, he, they had to review it. And, yeah, the Redskins made a couple difficult throw and catches. So I, I think, I don't think yesterday was what that defense is going to be going forward. So I'm going to, I'll put the Saints and the Vikings at a tie at four. All right, that's that's actually interesting because I had the same list as you, and I put the Saints fourth ahead of the Vikings, and and I think that that's kind of if you think about which team you'd rather have right now, which roster you'd rather have, I'd rather have what the Saints have because they can do it all um, on both sides of the ball, um, and I don't think I'm not saying the Vikings can't, but if you're sort of comparing the two, it's like would you rather have Drew Brees and two running backs who can run all day and, and, you know, do all kinds of dynamic things, or would you rather kind of have the Vikings um, where, you know, it's, it's the Adam Thielen show, you know, with guest star, occasionally Stefan Diggs and a running game that's been good, but not, you know, as, as um, off the charts, amazing as the saints uh, running game has. So I go Patriots Eagles, although I'm thinking about flipping those two too. Um, Steelers, Saints, Vikings, and number six, if we're doing a little bonus, I think the Jaguars are there right now because that defense is such a game changer. Um, the Eagles, and by the way, the, the, my take with the Eagles and Patriots is is that the Eagles have the more perfect team right now, but the Patriots are the Patriots, and that's it. Like In the playoffs, I'm, we're not probably going to end up betting against Belichick ever, um, whereas I think you know the Eagles – Young, you know, there's some young players on the team. I mean, they, you know, they do have some bets on on defense and, and offense. But you still have Carson Wentz under center. You know, going to be a playoff situation for the first time. Like, I don't know. so you know, you got to give the 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 Patriots just that that little tick up. And I, I think 
the Eagles could, I don't think it's going to happen. I wouldn't bet on it happening, but I think there's potential for them to have like a Chiefs-like drought just because we've talked about how well Doug Peterson has designed that offense. And when the design of your offense is really like the star of the show, I think good coaches can kind of out-scheme you. Like you can't out-scheme good players. Like if you have the best talent, then it's hard to scheme around that. But you give Belichick, a couple weeks to prepare for the Eagles offense. I think he figures it out. Oh yeah. I have no doubt. We're talking about the Belichick here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you all for joining us and uh, you tune in next week when we'll talk about week 12, we'll start getting really close to the fantasy playoffs. So good luck to everybody and we'll see you next week.